Welcome into the Flat Rock Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Christian Hunt. We have a fantastic episode in store for you today. It's going to be a little bit longer than normal as we're going to finish off our preseason rankings of our top 25 teams in college football. Stay tuned as I get ready to provide you teams number 19 all the way down to one here in just a second. Welcome to the Flat Rock Sports Podcast, your daily source for all things college football. And now your host, Christian Hunt. Hey guys, welcome into the show. So starting us off at number 19, I've got Baylor. Now Baylor is a very interesting team on this list because they ended up winning the Big 12 championship last year, all right? They've got third-year coach uh, Dave Aranda, who has a 14-9 and record since taking over at Baylor. Now last year they were 12-2, and and they ended up going 7-2 and in uh, conference play. One of the more interesting parts, in my opinion, about Baylor from last year is they actually beat Oklahoma State in the Big 12 game. And, and if you go back to last year and you look at the preseason predictions from last year, Baylor probably wasn't predicted to do very much, but they overexceeded and now they are hyped as they're in the top 25. Again, they're going to be at number 19, and there's a, a lot of reasons why some people could argue that you could move them up the board on their, you know, on their actual list. Some people have them a little bit further back. For me, I think 19 top 20 is probably right about that sweet spot for them. I'll kind of get into some of the numbers for you right now to let you know why I think they should be ranked where they're at. So, like we talk about now, they they did win the Sugar Bowl last year against Old Miss, right? Now, you know that was we've already covered Old Miss on the list, and I know there's a lot of things to kind of go there, but you know they did a great job. They won the Sugar Bowl, right? They're 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 looking to be the top dog with Texas and Oklahoma leaving for the SEC soon, right? They're trying to take that mantle up and be the best team in. Uh, the Big 12 Conference. And I think they they actually have a really good shot, and they're going to be one of the teams to benefit from that move. Now, they're going to be bringing back a majority of that offensive line, and they were very, very good last year. They were able to do a lot of different things uh, up front on the offensive line, and so that's a good sign for them. Now, they're bringing back uh, quarterback Blake Shipen, who took over down the stretch. He played in five games, and he had 600 yards and five touchdowns. They're also going to bring back running back Craig Williams, who was hurt last year, but he does have three career touchdowns, right? So they're going to need to do something to get him going and take some of that pressure off uh, the quarterback. Their leading receiver is, uh, is returning, and that is Ben Sims. Sorry, he's not their leading receiver. He's their returning leading receiver. He has 370 yards, six touchdowns. So they're going to lean a little bit more on the tight end. Uh, you know, they've got talent on the outside. They just have a lot of inexperience out there that they're going to have to get involved pretty early and, and try to take advantage of some stuff, right? Now, their defense was actually 10th in the nation as far as scoring defense is concerned last year. So they had a, a pretty good defense. Uh, they're going to be led by linebacker Dylan Doyle, who had 89 tackles, one sack, two pass deflections uh, to go alongside of one interception. My season prediction, okay, my outlook for Baylor this year, I think they go 9-3 and three again, right? I think that's about where we want to look for them to go. And they're going to be a consistent force uh, to be really paired in that Big 12 with a lot of changes coming soon. Coming in at number 18 on the list is a team that if you listen to the show and you're familiar with, we've talked about a little bit here, right? They're one of my teams to watch out for for a breakout year in 2023, and that's Oregon. Right, Oregon comes in ranked number 18 on my preseason top 25 list. Now, when we're looking at Oregon, they've got a first-time head coach in Dan Lanning, but Dan Lanning is a good one. Okay, he was the defensive coordinator at Georgia last year on a defense that we'll get into a little bit later on in the show, but he did a great job at coordinating the Bulldogs. Now, when we look at Oregon last year, they actually went 10 and four. And they were seven and two in conference play. Ended up losing to Oklahoma State in the uh, Alamo Bowl, right? So very interesting thing there. Uh, but they're also right now. I mean, they're looking to become the big dog. It, you know, with USC leaving, forget UCLA for just a second here. With USC leaving, Oregon can become the best team in the Pac-12. So they would benefit in a lot of ways just from that. Now. They're, they're going to benefit in a way where it's going to be, yeah, they're they're undefeated, and yeah, they've won five straight Pac-12 championships, but 
who do they play, right? So it'll be interesting to see what, what sort of happens there for Oregon going forward. Now, when we're looking at this, they did, however, lose to the Utah in the Pac-12 championship game, right? So they're they're needing some, some more pieces, it seems like, to just take that next step forward. If they can have just a little bit better quarterback play this year, I think they've got a great chance to do that. You know, looking at the quarterback, looking at some of these different things, it all starts up front, right? They are going to have one of the best lines in the Pac-12, okay? They get just about everybody back from last year, and that is going to go a long way in the development of quarterback Bo Nix, okay? So if Bo Nix can come in and steady this ship for Oregon, they have a great chance to pull off some big wins this year. I don't know if they take that leap and they jump forward and they beat teams like Georgia, but again, I think they do They do okay uh, in Dan Lanning's first year. All right, so let's look at Bo Nix here by the numbers. Okay, last year he had 2,800 yards and 23 total touchdowns. Pretty decent year, right, for the for being in the SEC and playing those elite defenses every every week, right? Uh, they have running back Byron Cardwell. He had 400 total yards and three touchdowns last year. You know, their number one running back ended up transferring out, and they, they're losing a lot of production. So they're going to kind of have to running back by committee to kind of get this thing rolling. And they're going to probably have to lean on Bo Nix a little more than, than need be. Now, when we're looking at Oregon's uh, number one wide receiver, it's the same thing. They're, they're losing some production here, okay? They've got wide receiver Troy, uh, Troy Franklin, who had 200 yards last year, and he had two uh, touchdowns to go alongside that. Again, Oregon's going to have some key players that they're trying to sort of get involved. They're not, they're not without talent, okay? Oregon's got some talent, but it's how do we utilize these guys? How do we get them on the field and, and really make good things happen here? And I think that's going to be the interesting side of this that we have to see going forward. Now, when we look at their defense and we look at Dan Lanning's specialty, I already, I already hit on this. He actually had the nation's best defense, right, at Georgia. Well, you look at the talent he's going to have back. They're going to be led by uh, linebacker Noah Sewell. Okay, He had 114 tackles last year. He had four sacks five pass deflections, one interception, and it two forced fumbles. Not not a bad not a bad stat line, right? And if the name sounds familiar, he's the younger brother of Penne Sewell who got drafted very early on last year to the Detroit Lions. Just an interesting fact for you. Now, my season prediction for Oregon this year, I think they go 10 and 2. Again, I don't think majority of the games that they're going to be playing with the exception of of Georgia, right? And some some one-offs here and there. I think that the Pac-12 is is not loaded enough for them to still run the table and make it possibly to a Pac-12 championship game, right? We'll have to see a little more about that later on and see how the list shakes out. But look for Oregon to have a strong first year under Dan Lanning and for them to right the ship. Okay, guys, at number 17 on the list, I've got NC State. Now, NC State, to me, is one of those teams. There's a couple teams like that on this list. They don't get a ton of national exposure. And I'll be honest, when I did my research on this, I always forget just how many teams are in the Carolinas, right? They have a ton of teams in Carolinas, but we'll get to that here in a second because they've been one of the most consistent. Uh, they've been one of the most consistent ACC teams out there, right? Dave Doran has a 64 and 49 record, and he's going into his tenth year at NC State. Now, in 2021, they were nine and three. They went six and two in the conference. They did. Ha- they made it. They they were scheduled to go to the Holiday Bowl versus UCLA. Now, what happened was it got canceled due to COVID, right? But again, they still made it to. They still made it to a bowl, right? And UCLA, while not on this list, had a decent season. I believe they were eight and four last year, so they actually ended up having a pretty decent season. Now, when we're looking at this again, I did put this in here already. They are one of the forgotten Carolina schools. When you talk about Carolina schools. Typically, you're talking Clemson, South Carolina, and even you know Wake Forest, right? And then somewhere down the list, you, you you remember, oh yeah, there's NC State, UNC, right? Duke, for other reasons. But let's get into it. Let's get into it. They were actually a top four team in the ACC last year. Now, some people hear that and they say, well, what did the conference really do? Well. You know, it's the ACC, right? I mean, they still have some good teams out there, right? And they can still pull some big wins. Here's the other thing. They have, they were second in the ACC last year 
as far as allowing the fewest sacks on that offensive line. And they're going to return just about all those players from that offensive line. So that is a huge step up for NC State. Their quarterback, Devin Leary, had 3,400 yards last year to go alongside of 37 touchdowns. I mean, <laughs> you know, th- again, but you don't probably remember hearing that much about him because, again, it's one of those things where eh, they're not the most talked about school in the Carolinas, right? They had running back Jordan Houston who had 83 yards and one touchdowns, right? He needs to step up, obviously. I mean, he didn't get a whole lot of playing time last year, but they're going to try to probably get him involved a heck of a lot more. Uh, they got running back Thayer Thomas and Devin Carter. They're going to return. I believe they were their uh, top two wide receivers from last year. They had a combined 1,200 yards and 14 touchdowns. So there's a lot of production coming back for that offense. Now, when we're looking at it, the defense was actually ranked 14th in the nation in scoring defense. So that's really good. Now, they're going to be led on defense by linebacker Drake Thomas. He had 99 tackles, six sacks, one pass deflection, three interceptions, and one touchdown, right? So they have some production coming back. I think they can still look for them to compete in the ACC this year. I don't know if they'll win the conference, but I think they can compete. My season prediction for NC State, I think they have a solid 9-3, and 10-2 type season. I, I really think they can probably pull off at least 10 wins this year, right? Um, confidently speaking anyways, right? But it'll be interesting to see how NC State shakes out in the chase for the Carolinas. All right, guys, at number 16 on the list, I've got Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin, when I think of Wisconsin, here's the thing I think of. I think of probably just a very good, consistent team in the Big Ten, and that's exactly what they've been. They've got Paul Christ, who's coming into his eighth year with the program. Since arriving at Wisconsin, he's put up a 65-23 and record. I mean, that's pretty consistent if you ask me. He wins more than he loses, right? In 2021, they were 9-4. and four. Uh, with a six and three conference record, right? They've ended up beating Arizona State in the Las Vegas Bowl, and they actually finished top two in the Western Division of the Big Ten, right? So that's still pretty good right there for them. Now, here's what I look at when I'm looking at it. They're returning three offensive linemen. So they do have, like most of the teams on this list, you're going to see they're returning some guys up front, which I think is going to allow them to be able to do what they want. You know, the big thing is you want to try to return as many guys as you can because you're getting more experience and they're mixed with a little bit of talent to go along that'll help your production. So they're returning three offensive linemen. They've got quarterback Graham Mertz, who had a down year last year, right? They struggled at times that felt like to throw the ball and and really be productive. Last year, he had 2,000 yards and he had 14 touchdowns. So they're, they're trying to get him productive and they're trying to sort of hold up that line and, and do what they normally do, right? But more so than that, they're also bringing back their leading uh, receiver from last year and tight end Jake Ferguson, okay? He had 450 yards and three touchdowns. They're also going to be bra- uh, bringing back their leading rusher in running back Braylon Allen, okay? He had 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns. You know, what I want to see from a statistical standpoint, can he put up another 1,200 yards? Can he put up, you know, probably... 15 touchdowns this year to kind of help out with that productivity and can Graham Mertz can he can he hit 3,000 total yards if they can do that they're going to move way up on this list right and here's the other thing their defense was actually ranked number two in the country last year as far as total defense is concerned they're going to be led by linebacker Nick Herbig who had 61 tackles nine sacks four pass deflections and one forced fumble Now, they do play in a pretty, you know, one of the top two conferences, arguably, in college football, and that is the Big Ten. It's pretty top-heavy. If they can get through and they can, like I said, I expect them to beat teams they're supposed to beat, but I don't know if they're beating the Ohio States and the Michigans of the world quite yet. My season prediction for them, I think they go 10-2 and this year, right? So it'll be interesting to see how Wisconsin shakes out going forward. Coming in at number 15 on the list is the University of Pittsburgh. Now, the big question here, before we get going into this, I wrote an article, and you can go see that at flatrocksports.com, but the article was pretty much titled, Life After Kenny Pickett, question mark, right? That is the big question going into this year, is how do they replace, well, two of their best players from last year, Kenny Pickett, who ended up being drafted this year, and Jordan Addison. Well, Coach Pat Narduzzi, who, by the way, is in his eighth year at Pitt, as a 53 and 37 record there 
And last year guided them to an 11 and three record with a seven and one conference record. They ended up winning the 20, uh, the, they ended up winning the ACC championship last year over Wake Forest. Now they did a, they did a really good job last year at getting Kenny Pickett pr- uh, productive very quickly. But again, they're losing a lot of production in those two players I just mentioned. They're going to be bringing back, they are going to be bringing back all five offensive linemen. Now that's going to help. Okay, that is going to help because they also got some other pieces to add to this puzzle here. Uh, before I get into that, though, I do need to mention this. They did lose the Peach Bowl to Michigan State, right? So, but I believe that was just because, you know, Kenny Pickett, I don't think he really played a whole lot in that game as he was getting ready for the draft, right? So, who do they bring in to help replace them and who are they looking to lean on this year? Well, they're going to be leaning on uh, USC transfer quarterback, Caden Slovis. Now, at USC, he had 2,100 yards to go alongside of 11 touchdowns, and he, as he didn't quite play the whole year. And so one of the things that I'm looking for is who are they going to throw him the ball? With Jordan Addison departing for USC, I'm looking for Akron transfer Konata Mumfield to come in. As he put up 751 yards at Akron to go alongside of eight touchdowns, and he also was second. He was also this. Let me let me say this: the second leading receiver here for them was Jared Wayne. He had 658 yards to go alongside of six touchdowns. They have some productivity coming back, but they need those guys to step way up. They're going to have a trio of running backs, and they're going to play running back by committee back there this year because those running backs combined for 2,100 yards and 19 total touchdowns, and they bring back the majority of that defense that ranked 42nd in total defense last year. They actually can do some good things on defense too. They, they're going to be led by linebacker Dennis Skrveka, and he had 82 tackles to go alongside four sacks, one interception, and one forced fumble. What is my season prediction for uh, Pitt this year? I think that they, again, I think they have a strong year, and I think they finish the season off at 10-2, and two, right? Again, that's, that's my best-case scenario. After looking at their schedule, the teams that I think you know they're probably don't they're probably not going to have a chance against they're probably not going to beat. But I do think right I do think that they're going to shock some people and they're going to still be consistent. At number fourteen, I've got Miami. Now Miami's a very interesting choice because when you look at their record from last year, it wasn't all that great, right? But they do have a lot of talent. They are getting a great coach in Mario Cristobal, and he can turn around a program really fast. Now, here's some other points about Mario Cristobal that you need to know. This is, he's going into his first year, obviously, at Miami. Last year, Miami had a 7-5 and record with a 5-3 and conference record. Now, Cristobal, he actually starred at the U, right, as they call it, back in the 90s. And he, he's one of the hottest recruiters in the country right now. You know, they are ranked pretty high going into this year in recruiting. So they're going to be back a lot sooner than a lot of people, you know, think. Now, they also were invited to play in the Sun Bowl last year. And they actually pulled out due to COVID, right? Now, here's the great thing about this. Okay, they're bringing back two starting offensive linemen from the portal. And they're actually returning three starters. So they actually do have they actually have a little bit of an opportunity to protect their quarterback this year, right? And the quarterback's going to be Tyler Van Dyke. He actually put up 3,000 total yards last year, and he had 26 touchdowns. He's going to be he's going to be throwing to wide receiver Keyshawn Smith and tight end Will Mallory, right? Now, they're going to be trying to hold it down in the receiving room as they combined for 700 yards last year and seven touchdowns. They need to get that yardage up. They at least need to be around 1,500 yards this year. So they got to double that production. If they can double that production, it's going to be pretty good. They've got running back Henry Parrish, who transferred in. Uh, Henry Parrish actually had 726 yards last year and three touchdowns. So they need to get him going, and they need to feature him predominantly in this offense. Now, defensively, that's where things get interesting, right? Because they ranked 85th in the country, and most of their defense, which could be a good thing, is not going to be back from last year. They're either graduated, transferred out, or got drafted, right? Now, the defense is actually going to be led by UCLA transfer Mitchell Agood, who had 55 tackles last year, two sacks, two pass deflection, and two forced fumbles. Again, my season prediction for Miami, I think they're going to be a 10-2 team, right? I know it's not the sexiest pick there. I think they have a chance to get 10 wins this year, and that would be a huge win for Mario Cristobal as he looks to take the Hurricanes back to the top.
Coming in at number 13 on the list, I have Michigan State. Now, Michigan State is going to be led by head coach Mel Tucker, who's going into his third year with the program. Now, what has Michigan State done under Mel Tucker? Well, he's amassed a 13-7 and record. Uh, and in 2021, he actually went 11 and two and seven and two in conference play. Now they beat Pitt in the Peach Bowl, right? They also finished third in the Big Ten. They're going to be getting back two linemen and a starting caliber transfer in this. Okay, so they're going to have three guys up front. You know, just like most of these teams, you know, they're not getting everybody back, but they are going to be getting some critical pieces. They're at least returning three out of five guys. Now. What makes Michigan State so interesting to me here is they're getting Peyton Thorne. Now, last year, Peyton Thorne, uh, who was the quarterback for him, he put up 3,400 yards to go alongside of 31 touchdowns. They're also getting returning wide receiver Jalen Reed, who had 1,000 yards and 11 total touchdowns. They're getting transfer running back Jalen Berger, who put up 400 yards last year alongside of three touchdowns. Now, Michigan State, they're going to be led. They actually led the Big Ten in sacks last year. So their defense, you know, they can get after you. Now, their best player returning from last year is safety Xavier Henderson. He had 96 tackles, three sacks, and two pass deflections, one interception, and a forced fumble. So they can get after you in a multitude of ways down there at Michigan State. Now, my again, my season prediction for this, I think they go 10 and 2. I think they sort of follow up with a, you know, second or third place finish inside of the Big 10, top 4 at least for Michigan State. At number 12, I have Wake Forest. Now, Wake Forest is another one of those forgotten about, you know, Carolina teams, right? But Wake Forest is going to be led by ninth-year head coach uh, Dave Clawson. Okay, while it Wake Forest, he's accumulated a 51 and 48 record. He has a last year, by the way, he went 11 and 3 uh, and 7 and 1 inside of the conference, right? Interesting enough. They actually lost the ACC championship game to Pitt, right? I think that was that infamous game uh, where the slide rule came into play with Kenny Pickett, right? So they beat Rutgers, however, in the Gator Bowl, if you were wondering. <laughs> so they beat Rutgers in the Gator Bowl. They had four. They have actually. They actually have four starters back on that offensive line from last year. Okay, so they're they're a great offensive line, and they're going to be able to do some great things here. They have quarterback Sam Hartman, who put up forty six hundred yards and fifty touchdowns last year. I mean, the dude was a stats machine. Now they're bringing back A. T. Perry, who was their uh, leading receiver from last year. He put up thirteen hundred yards and fifteen touchdowns. Just a, I mean, just a stacked offense that they're bringing back. They actually are going to be doing a running back duo this year. Um, the running backs are bringing back combined for 1,000 yards last year and 12 total touchdowns. Again, I mean, this is one of the best offenses in college football, let alone the ACC, right? Now, that, that gives us way to the defense. Now, their defense actually was ranked 88th last year in total defense. But they're going to be led by linebacker Ryan Sminda, who had – 83 tackles, he had two pass deflections, and he had two forced fumbles. He, you know, like I said, this is a team that if they can sure, sort of stir up their defensive woes from last year, I have them going 11 and 1. And they're going to start kicking off a good trend for us here. I think they go 11 and 1. Do I think they win the ACC this year? I think they're competing for it to say the least, right? Coming in at number 11, I have Utah. Now, what makes Utah so interesting is they have 18th-year coach Kyle Whittingham, right? You wouldn't know it, but he's been one of the most stable coaches in college football over that time. Is In 18 years, he's gone 144 and 70. Now, he does have some pretty big wins over the likes of Alabama and Nick Saban, to say the least, right? Who remembers that? I do. Right. And 2021, they were 10 and 4, and they had a 8 and 1 conference record. Now, they beat Oregon in the Pac 12 championship, and they barely, okay, they barely lost to Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Uh, the final score of that game was 48 to 45. They're going to be bringing back three returning offensive linemen from last year that actually ranked fourth in the nation in pass protection. Their quarterback, Cameron Rising, had a whopping 3,000 yards and 26 total touchdowns. Their number one uh, receiver from last year is actually a tight end, and that is Dalton Kincaid, who had 500 yards and eight touchdowns. Running back Travion Thomas 
had 1,100 yards and a I mean, this dude, this is a stat you almost won't even believe. 21 total touchdowns last year. He went off, right? Now, believe it or not, their defense, despite what you may see in the Rose Bowl, was actually pretty good last year. They ranked 35th in team defense. They're going to be led by Clark Phillips III this year. He's a cornerback for the team. Last year, he put up 61 tackles, 13 pass deflections, two interceptions, and a forced fumble. I'm telling you, Utah is probably one of the most slept-on teams in college football because a lot of guys, a lot of, a lot of people leave them out of their discussion in the top 20, you know, in the top 10, 15, whatever have you, right? But I think, I think Utah has a sneaky good season this year, right? I think they go 11-1, and one, and I think they're even competing and pushing for a Pac-12 championship. At number 10 on the list, I've got Texas A&M. Arguably one of the brightest futures ahead, right? As Jimbo Fisher, who's entering his fifth year at Texas A&M, has already amassed a 34-14 and 14 record with the Aggies. Now, it, last year he's coming off an 8-4 and four record with a 4-4 four and four conference record. Here's what they did last year, okay? They signed the number one recruiting class in the country. They beat Bama. Those are the two accomplishments, but those are two huge accomplishments, right? Now, they pulled out of the Gator Bowl due to COVID, so they would have been playing uh, one of the other teams from the list that we just talked about. But I think it's interesting to note when we're looking at this that they're bringing back three starting offensive linemen from last year. They need to figure out their quarterback situation, and they need to figure it out fast because they are going to be playing Bama again this year, right? Now, here's the thing. They've got quarterback Haynes King. He got hurt in the second game last year through one and maybe a little bit of a quarter, like two passes, you know, into the second game, he put up 300 yards and two touchdowns. So realistically about a game, right? So he's got plenty of upside there. If he can come in and get hot and, you know, get a little bit of experience and get his feet wet, he's going to look pretty good. He's got wide receiver, uh, an Enos Smith, Anaya Smith, sorry, Anaya Smith, who had 500 yards last year and six touchdowns. They also have running back Devin Acne, who had 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns last year. Okay, this is a team, they're going to want to try to get the ball to their running back. All right, just literally get the ball to them, get it, get it in the playmaker's hands, get your quarterback settled in, and stay healthy, right? Now, the defense actually finished 14th in the nation in total defense. And what's interesting about them, I put them on one of my top five defense lists going into this year. They've got a lot of young guys that they're going to be breaking in. If you go look at their depth chart for this year, it's a lot of youth and a lot of inexperience probably thrown in here. But that doesn't meant to say that they're not talented. I don't think they're competing for championships this year. I think next year is when they're going to start really putting all this together. Defensively, they're going to be led this year by cornerback Antonio Johnson. He had 79 tackles, one sack, five pass deflections, and one interception last year. What's my outlook for A&M this year? Call me crazy. I think they're going to go 11-1 with their only loss being to Alabama. Coming in at number nine, we have a team that is needs no introduction on this list, and that is USC. I feel like especially everybody in the world of college football has been covering USC lately, not just for Lincoln Riley, the transfer portal, or anything else, but for conference realignment, right? Let's look at Lincoln Riley a little bit, though, and what he was able to do while at Oklahoma. While at Oklahoma, he combined he had a 55-10 and 10 record, right? He's entering his first year at USC. Now, USC last year, they went 4-8. and eight, and they were three and six inside of the conference, right? Arguably one of the, the, the weaker conferences in the country in the Pac-12. Now, Lincoln Riley's 0-3 in the playoffs, but I think this schedule is going to be very forgiving for him and get him back into the playoffs, right? Now, he had the number one transfer portal class in the country last year, right? When they look at the rankings and everything like that, and a lot of these guys we're going to be talking about right now. So they're bringing back four offensive linemen, but those linemen need to step up because they didn't do a great job last year at protecting Jackson Dart and Caden Slovis, right? So they have to step up, but they are bringing back some experience there. So that is the good news. They've got quarterback Caleb Williams, who last year put up 2,300 yards, 27 total touchdowns. They're bringing in wide receiver Jordan Addison, who had a whopping 1,600 yards and 18 touchdowns. Oh, and by the way, pair him with running back Travis Dye, who also had 1,600 yards and 18 touchdowns while at Oregon. And this is a team that's going to be, they're going to be, 
looking to absolutely take the world by shock. And, and that's why I put them in at number nine, right? You're going to look at their record from last year and say, ah, you know, they're four and eight, you know, whatever. They're going to surprise some people this year. And when you look at their schedule, it's pretty soft until the last game of the year. It just is. Now, this is a defense, and this is the this is the part here that probably has USC fans worried the most. Their defense ranked 103rd in the country in total defense last year. They're going to be led by defensive tackle. I'm just going to say Tuli TT, right? Uh, it's Tupelotu. Actually, I think I did a pretty good job there, right? But now, he had 48 tackles, five and a half sacks, two pass deflections, two forced fumbles last year, right? I think, again, I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, but here's my outlook. Here's my projection for USC. I think they go 11-1. and one. I think their only loss that they could potentially have in this schedule comes to Notre Dame. Coming in at number eight on the list, we have Oklahoma. Brent Venables is finally back in Norman, and it feels so good, right? If you're a Boomer Sooner fan. Now, let's look at this. This is his first head coaching stop at the college level. So it's his first year at Oklahoma too, right? I think we just we just kind of alluded to that. But here's the big thing that we need to look at. Last year, Oklahoma was 11-2 overall, and they had a 7-2 conference record. They finished third in the Big 12, and they actually ended up beating Oregon in the Alamo Bowl. Now, a lot of people would say, hey, listen, you put USC ahead, or you put Oklahoma, uh, should I say, ahead of USC. Well, I had to, right? I think they're more consistent with some of the pieces that they're bringing back. And to be honest with you, we're getting ready to get into it. It's They're bringing back three O-line starters from last year, and they got one from a transfer porter as well. So they've got four quality guys in there. They're also going to be bringing back probably one of the most electric uh, you know, quarterbacks that was in the transfer portal, right? Or should I say experienced guys in the transfer portal? Because they're bringing back quarterback Dylan Gabriel, who put up 8,400 8, yards while at USC, or UCF, and he had 79 total touchdowns. The dude can flat out, he can he can sling the ball, and he can, he's a dynamic playmaker, right? Uh, they're going to be led by wide receiver Marvin Mims, who last year had 700 yards and five touchdowns. And they're also going to be led in the running back game by Eric Gray. He put up 600 yards and also had four touchdowns, right? They need Mims and they need Gray to step up, and they really need them to pretty much double those stats from last year if they really want to be competing for this thing right this year. Now, defensively, they were six, they were ranked 60th last year, okay? Now, just for record and just for, you know, clarification here, under Brent, uh, under Brent Venables, Clemson had the second-ranked defense last year. So I think they're going to improve, you know, if they can sort of match some of this offensive production that they're used to having and get that defensive rank up to 30th, somewhere in there, they're, they're going to be doing pretty good, right? Now, they're going to be led by linebacker Deshaun White. He had 61, ta uh, 61 tackles last year and one fumble recovery. So what's my prediction for Oklahoma? I think, again, I think Oklahoma, they can go 11-1 this year, right? And they're going to be competing for the Big 12. At number seven, they are back, question mark? No. In all seriousness, though, it's the University of Texas. Texas is going to be led by second-year head coach Steve Sarkeesian, right? Sarkeesian last year went 5-7 and seven with the Horns and guided them to a 3-6 and six conference record. At Texas, that is not going to get it done. When you're talking about a team that historically brings in a lot of talent every single year, they have got to get this done. Now, we've covered Texas with a lot of the stuff that going on with Arch Manning and some of the other things and what their season outlook is, right? And there's a lot to be excited for Texas. Now, this is a team that failed to make a bowl game last year and wasn't really, you know, even in the top discussion, obviously, for the Big 12. But here's what they're doing. They're going to be bringing back three starters on the offensive line. Speaking of that offensive line, they also signed the number one uh, offensive line recruiting class last year in the 2022 cycle. So they do have a lot of talent that's there and being developed. Now, they also brought in uh, transfer quarterback Quinn Ewers. He's not, he hasn't thrown a pass yet in college, but he was a five-star quarterback. He was the number one player in the 2021 class. So there's some things to look forward to with Ewers, but everything is pretty much on that young man's shoulders as far as what runs through in Austin. Now we're looking at what they actually have around him, and they've got a lot of talent around this kid. They've got wide receiver Xavier Worthy, who put up uh, almost 1,000 yards last year and 12 total touchdowns, right? He's an electric playmaker. Then you look at 
arguably a dark horse Heisman favorite and running back Bijan Robinson. He put up 1,400 yards last year to go alongside of 15 touchdowns. These are two of the most electric players in college football with the balls in their hands, right? Now, let's look at this. The defense was part of the, the problem last year for Texas. They ranked 99th in uh, defense last year, right? But they have a ton of experience on that side of the ball, right? You go look at their defensive depth chart, and a lot of guys are seniors, and a lot of them are juniors. So they're bringing back a lot of talent on there. They're going to be led by linebacker DeMarvian Overshawn. Okay, he had 74 tackles last year, two sacks. He had two pass deflections and two fumble recoveries. My record prediction for Texas this year, I think they go 11-1, and one, right? I think they beat Oklahoma, but I definitely think they're going to lose to Bama, right? I think, they've win, I think they went out, and it's going to be interesting to see how the Big 12 is going to shake out with that. At number six on my list, I have Michigan. Now, Jim Harbaugh did a lot of great things last year, okay? He went 12-2, uh, and two, and he was 8-1 and one in the conference. He did a couple of really notable things for him, though, right? As he's in his eighth year at Michigan, and he also has already combined a 61-24 and 24 record, right? Now, here's what he did last year. Number one, he beat Ohio State, right? He beat the team that Michigan fans love to hate. He made it to the college football playoffs, and he won a Big Ten championship in the process, right? That has got to be a great feeling to sort of check all this stuff off the box one year. That bought him a little more time out there in Ann Arbor, I feel like. He, they did, however, go on to lose to University, the University of Georgia in the semifinals, but they're going to be bringing back four starting offensive linemen and even a rotational player that has got some experience there on the offensive line. So they're going to be they're going to be okay there. They're bringing back quarterback Cade McNamara, who put up 2,600 yards to go alongside of 16 touchdowns. They're also going to be bringing back their top receiving threat last year in a trio of guys who put up 1,500 yards and eight touchdowns. Blake Corum, who was their number two running back last year, is going to step in. But he put up, he had a great stat line last year, even for a number two guy. He put up 1,100 yards to go alongside of 12 touchdowns. Now, the defense was probably one of the better units in the country as they put up, they're actually, sorry, they were ranked number eighth in total defense last year, right? Now, they're going to be led by Junior Collison. He's a linebacker. He had 60 tackles last year, five, uh, sorry, half a sack, two pass deflections, and one fumble recovery. I look for Michigan to, to really compete this year again for the Big Ten, right? They, they've got a chance. They're in it this year. They've proven they've done it. They're returning a ton of experience, and they've got a lot of good pieces. Look for them to go 11-1, and one, and I think we know what game I'm circling for them to potentially lose this year. Number five on the list is Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame's an interesting one on this, right? Because it seems like every year they're always inside of the top 10. They're always ranked really high and they always drop a few games or they do something they're not supposed to do or they make it to the big, they make it to a big game and they just fall apart. That's not to be critical of Notre Dame. That's just giving you a brief look back at their history. Now, here's what they've got. I put them at number five for this reason. They've got first year coach Marcus Freeman. Now, Marcus is already 0-1, but that's okay. He stepped in on short notice to become to pretty much coach their bowl game, right? And he's taken over a team that went 11-2 last year. So he's got a lot of he's got a lot of good things going for him. Right now they're, you know, they're still in the top three, I believe, in you know, this year's recruiting cycle. So he's doing some good things there. Now, they did lose, however, to uh, in the Fiesta Bowl to Oklahoma State, who we already put up earlier on the list. Now, they're going to be bringing back three starters on the offensive line to go along with another rotational piece. So they've got, they've got the experience up front, right? They've got, they're going to be bringing back Tyler Buckner at quarterback, who he kind of played a little bit in mop-up duty last year as he put up 600 yards and six touchdowns, right? So, but he's really more going to be a more uh, you know, run-threat option for him. So he can do certain things that are going to help this offense you know, get along here. Now, their leading receiver from last year was tight end Michael Mayer, who put up 840 yards uh, with seven touchdowns. At the running back spot, you've got Chris Tyrese, who had 500 yards and three touchdowns last year. So they need some production there. They need an outside wide receiver to step up, and they're going to need one of these running backs that they have on the team to really have a breakthrough year, in my opinion, if they want to make it back to the college football playoff and get a little bit further than that. Their defense was actually ranked 15th uh, in the country last year in total defense. And they're going to be led by J.D. 
Bertrand. He had 102 tackles. He had one sack, one pass deflection, and one forced fumble. Probably with the most surprising thing on the list, and I know you're gonna you're gonna jump all over me for it. My season prediction: I think they go 10 and two. You know, when I looked at their schedule and I really started breaking down their schedule, I think they just play a murderer's row of teams. I mean, they're going to be playing uh, at USC, at Ohio State to kick the year off. And they're even going to be playing, uh, you know, another great game when they play Clemson this year too, right? So they're, they're going to be playing sort of a murderer's row of teams inside of the top 25, and they do have a difficult schedule. Now, what that translate, can they win out? Well, that's going to be an interesting thing to see. In 23. Coming in at number four, I have Clemson. Who doesn't love Dabo and everything he's doing as the prominent team in the Carolinas, right? You know it would have to come back to some kind of Carolina talk, right? Here's the here's the reality of the situation. Since Dabo's taken over, and he's in his 15th year, by the way, at Clemson, he's gone 150 and 36. One of the most consistent programs and one of the most consistent runs we've seen in the ACC in a long, long time. Now, last year they were 10 and 3 and they were 6 and 2 in the conference. They actually finished fourth in the ACC. They did end up beating Iowa in the Cheez It Bowl, which still sounds weird to say for whatever reason, right? The Cheez It Bowl. But they actually, here's the problem with Clemson last year. A lot of people are wondering what happened to Clemson. You know, they were such a dominant team. They had all the pieces aligned. They, they didn't fall off in recruiting. But what happened last year? Well, they finished 100th last year in total offense. They just had a lot of guys that were really young, a lot of pressure put on them. And I think, the, you know, I think playing Georgia in that opening game last year probably really shell-shocked a lot of their players. Now, they do return three linemen, and they do have some rotational pieces that are coming back in, inside of that too, right? They're going to have quarterback DJ Ungalulei, who had 2,600 yards last year and 13 touchdowns. He's got to step up. You know, he's got to, he's going to have, in order for them to compete and get back to prominence, he needs to put up, he needs to put up north of probably 25 touchdowns this year, and he needs to probably put up around third, you know, at least 3,000 yards, I would say, for them to really, really compete this year. They're going to have uh, returning wide receiver Joseph Ngata and tight end Davis Allen, who combined for 600 yards last year and four touchdowns. Again, they have to step up. They really have to do a good job at stepping up as the wide receivers and giving him a chance to be successful. Now, you're going to have a returning leading rusher from last year, running back Will Shipley, who actually had a quietly good year for him. He had 800 yards and 11 touchdowns. I think if they can get Will Shipley going early, they can get, uh, you know, DJ going early as well. They play Georgia Tech this year, right? They play the right Georgia school for him to start their year off. So if they can get going early against Tech, which I don't think, I don't see why they wouldn't be able to, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Now, I had to, when I did this, right, normally every other team on this list, I'm, I'm saying who their defense is led by, right? I'm going to give you a group stat here in just a second that's going to blow your mind. Their defense was ranked number two in, to in total defense last year in the country. They're D linemen, okay. I didn't. I couldn't pick one guy. I couldn't do that. Their combined D line stats from last year they had twenty four sacks. They had twenty four sacks last year in their combined defensive line, right? And they had five turnovers. Their defensive line counted five of those turnovers. My season prediction for this year: I think Clemson wins a a very top heavy ACC, and I think they get back to the playoff where they belong. At number three on the list, you're defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs. Now, I picked Georgia at number three here, and I didn't, you know, there's a lot of consensus here between Ohio State and, and certain other, you know, other teams. But here's the reason why I picked Georgia at number three, right? I put Georgia here just because they've been one of the most consistent teams out there, and they return a ton of talent, even though they lost a ton of talent from last year, right? Kirby Smart is going into his seventh year at Georgia where he's combined he's put up a 66 and 15 record. Now last year obviously like I said earlier they won the national championship but they did lose to Bama in the SEC championship. You get enough cracks at Bama eventually if you're a good enough team you're going to figure out a way to beat them, right? At least that's the the thought process. Now Georgia's bringing back four starting of offensive linemen from last year. They do a really good job at rotating guys in and out at these critical positions. So they've got a ton of experience coming back and a ton of talent that they can plug in to replace that. 
Quarterback Stetson Bennett had a sneaky good year last year. He had 3,100 yards and he to go alongside of 30 total touchdowns. Like I said, the dude can straight up ball, just not against Bama sometimes, right? Fit, you know, probably 50-50. But he had a great year last year. Now, that was helped by tight end Brock Bowers, who had 882 yards and 13 touchdowns. I want to see him crack 1,000 yards this year and probably get closer to 15 touchdowns. I think that would probably be a great performance for him. Now, Georgia has, argue, not arguably, they have the best tight end room in the country. They have uh, Brock Bowers, who's going to be their number one guy. They have Darnell Washington. And, oh, and by the way, they brought in the number one tight end from a few years ago out of Marietta High School, Eric Gilbert, who's going to be looking to slot out. And they can get all three of these guys on the field, and they can dice you up, I think, this year. Now, they're going to be, in the running game, they're going to be losing two guys to the NFL, but they've got running back Kenny McIntosh, who played pretty serviceable last year, as he had 500 yards and three touchdowns. Look, Georgia is always a team, when they when we're talking about running backs, they always do a running back by committee. There's not just one guy that's really good. It's always two guys, right? See Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, right? Think of, think of teams like that, right? They have a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of talent that comes out at the running back position at Georgia. Now, defensively, they were number one in the country. There was no debating that as they had eight players selected in the draft this year. Majority of those guys went in the first round, right? Uh, they're going to be led this year by linebacker Nolan Smith. Okay, he's an edge player. He had 55 tackles last year. He had three and a half sacks for the dogs, and he had one pass deflection to go alongside of one interception and three forced fumbles. The dude's a ball hawk. I mean, he really is. Now, when we're looking at what their season prediction this year is, I think they go undefeated in the regular season and they make it back to the SEC championship game. It's going to be interesting to see how can Stetson Bennett and Kirby keep the dogs rolling in 23. Into the top two, I've got Ohio State. And the great part about Ohio State here is they've got head coach Ryan Day coming back for his fourth year in Columbus. Now, in four years there, he's put up a 34-4 and record. He's done a great job at pretty much owning the Big Ten and being a consistent staple to make it to the playoff every year, right? Now, last year they were 11-2, and and they had an 8-1 and conference record, right? They were breaking in a lot of key players as they lost a lot the year prior, and they had a little bit of a down year for their standards, right? But here's the thing. They finished number two in the Big Ten. Arguably, if you do away with a little bit of some of the conference scheduling and everything like that and how it shakes out for championship games, they probably should have been in that Big Ten championship game, and they maybe would have gotten some revenge on Michigan. But they actually beat uh, Utah in the Rose Bowl, and that was a pretty close game like we already kind of discussed in this. Uh, they finished number one, by the way, last year in total offense, and they return a lot of those key players from last year. They have three linemen. Uh, that are coming back, and those dudes are going to get drafted pretty high, I would imagine, alongside of some other rotational guys that they got in there. They have quarterback C.J. Stroud, who put up a whopping 4,400 yards to go alongside of 44 total touchdowns. They've got their number one wide receiver back from last year in Jackson Smith Enigma, who put up 1,600 yards and nine touchdowns last year. They have running back Travion Henderson. He put up 1,500 yards to go alongside of 19 touchdowns. I believe he was a true freshman last year, too, which makes that even more impressive. He, you know, they have three of the most electric players in college football this year. And I mean, there's only one other team, but we'll get to them here in just a second that can compete with them. Now, the defense last year, they were ranked 38th in total defense. So they did a pretty, they did a really good job at being a very well rounded team. But they're going to be led by safety Ronnie uh, Hickman, who had 98 tackles last year. He had one sack, two interceptions, and one forced fumble. I think this year, Ohio State, they're coming out pissed off, and they're coming out for revenge. It's a revenge tour for them this year. 12-0, I think that they take the Big Ten. At number one on the list, Vanderbilt Univert. No, I'm just kidding. In all seriousness, though, it's Alabama. Is there any question? I mean, come on. Alabama returns one of the most loaded rosters in college football, but we'll get to that here in just a second. Nick Saban's going into his 17th year with the program. He's amassed 178 records to 25 losses. Last year, he did win the SEC championship game. He just lost the national championship game, right? Again, if you're going to lose, it's great to lose to one of your predecessors in Kirby Smart, right? Now, the tide, they're going to bring back two starting offensive linemen from last year. And this is the biggest question mark 
bar none on this team is how can that offensive line hold up and protect their Heisman winning quarterback? Who is Bryce Young? Bryce Young actually won the Heisman last year, and along the way, he put up 4,800 yards to go alongside of 50 touchdowns in the toughest conference in college football. This isn't like someone that's coming out of a smaller FCS program, just, you know, eating the ball over folks. This is a guy that's playing at the hardest competition and the highest level in college football, and he put up video game like numbers. Now, he's going to get back Cameron. Latu, who put up 400 yards last year to go alongside of eight touchdowns. He's a tight end, so they're going to look to lean on him and get some of these other guys that they got from the transfer portal, like Jermaine Burton. Uh, you know, they're going to look to get them going, and, and hopefully they can have some big years and be electric as well to capture that success they had last year. They did get running back Jameer Gibbs, who last year put up 1,200 yards and six touchdowns while at Georgia Tech. I think he's a good enough player. I think Alabama has enough talent. I think Gibbs can can improve upon those numbers and keep Bama rolling this year. Now, this is a defense that was ranked 18th last year. They are led by one of the craziest guys, I think, in all of college football. And I'm not saying crazy in a bad way. I mean, this dude, when I read you his stat line right here, I didn't know this until I read it. They're going to be led by linebacker and dark, you know, dark horse Heisman favorite, might I add, Will Anderson. Will Anderson last year had 101 tackles. He had, this is the eye-popping stat for you, by the way, 17 and a half sacks last year. Nobody could stop this guy. And he also had three pass deflections. I'm telling you right now, Alabama is going to, is they're pissed off and they are coming for vengeance this year. They are not going to stop anything short of a national championship. My season prediction for them, I think they go 12-0, sets up for a great rematch against the Dogs in the SEC championship game. Now, with that being said, that's actually going to conclude this episode of the Flat Rock Sports Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Christian Hunt. And one thing, if you could do it for me before we get off here, please be sure to hit the like button and please be sure to comment. And oh, if you could, one more thing, please subscribe to it. It helps the channel because we love giving you daily college football content here on the show. As always, I'm your host, Christian Hunt, and we'll catch you next time.